Namotasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namotasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namotasa Bhagavato Rahato Sama Sambuddhasa Buddhang Namang Sanghang Sami So I um recently came back from a trip to, which included going to South Africa and uh, China and Tibet. And uh, so I'm still kind of settling in in a way. And uh, one, of the, one of the advantages of doing this kind of thing is that one actually has some time to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> So I can kind of flesh out my Dhamma talks instead of just talking about intention, attention and contact and common formation. So I can now say, I knew this bloke, I met this bloke in Lhasa and people can actually get a grasp of what I'm talking about. (laughs) But actually it's the same thing really underneath it all. (laughs) This is, uh, so, you know, the basic underpinnings of the the Dhamma teachings uh, kind of persist through times and circumstances through Chithurst and Asala Puja and Lhasa and Singapore and so forth. There's a nice one that uh, struck me when I was in this uh, monastery in, in Chengdu in Sichuan, China. I met an old monk who was a calligrapher and he went to his, his room and he was doing his beautiful brushstroke calligraphy and uh, we, he wanted to present one and he so fumbled around and found what he felt was his, his best one. He kind of had all these scrolls up on a shelf and he dug one out and he rumbled through it and he fumbled around and eventually this one was one he felt most satisfied with and he put his stamp and seal on it and then wrapped it up very carefully and properly so it wouldn't get damaged. So one felt this was his thing he really felt was his, his best bit. And uh, it was just two, two ideograms, two ideograms. And one was regard, the other one was the world. So it just said regard the world. And that was he felt his kind of thing he wanted to, me to take back and remember and so forth. A nice simple thing. But actually there's quite a lot in it. Um, what it takes to regard anything means you've got to step back and there's a sense of you know, dispassion, seeing how it is you haven't got a particular, you're not looking for something, you're not trying to see something special, but you're just opening up the dispassion and the world and uh, you know, whatever this is so I seem to spend a reasonable amount of my time flying around it <laughs> And actually, you know, the world in the Buddhist sense is the various uh, phenomena that arise in, in, in consciousness and uh, uh, thoughts, emotions, impulses, feelings, sensations, um, urges, resistances, sounds, the very touch of that, the kind of movement and, and throb and pulse of that. And uh, the particular... Um, thing that makes it into the world is the is this 
attaching or energy that snags on some feature of that, a sound, a sight, a particularly thoughts and memories, and it starts focusing, attending to that, and then begins to hammer away at it. You know, so we, we something, you know, screens out or filters out the whole process of what we're conscious of, finds a few features, po- focuses in on them, and then becomes uh, engrossed in them, either for good or for bad. This is karma. This is how karma works. So, uh, intention or volition is the, is the seeking. Attention is the holding field, forms an object, and contact is when you actually pick up a particular bit and start remembering and hammering away at it, you know, for good or for bad. So you kind of have a big idea, this is what I really want to do and get on with this. And, and the intensity of that, that's contact. The weight of it, that's contact. The weight, it seems to be sitting on your back or hammering in your brain or pumping in your heart, the repeated quality of that, that's contact. Because actually in any moment there could be all kinds of things going on, you know, what's happening in your feet, what's happening, the birds singing, but you know, that doesn't happen. What happens is a particular feature gets picked, gets focused on, uh, attended to, that's attention, contact, we keep going at it. And if, as we keep going at it, it starts to impress itself upon us. We get riled up, we get wired up, we get focused, we get inspired, we get depressed. And our, our own world starts to constantly around that. And this is karma. You can see why it's much easier just to put a couple of mediocrams on a bit of paper <laughs> to sum it all up. But that, that's what the experience is, yeah? isn't it? Yeah. What's your world? What are the, the features and the characteristics and the signs that you attend to, found yourself moved by in some way or another for good or for bad, lifted up, depressed, obstructed by, uh, motivated towards? That's karma. Yeah, then, then that's where you go, isn't it? Whether you follow that up with action or speech, that's where your heart goes. That's where it, that's where it rests. So, you know, we probably have a few bits of landscape in, that, in our world. Yeah, uh, and uh, as you explore the landscape in meditation, you begin to see particular features of it. Like, I am never listened to. I am left out. Um, I am, you know, this or that or the other. The me gets established there. My my territory. Here I am again, being me. Here I am again, dumped on. Here I am again, the one always does this. I am here. I am again, this, that, or the other. I for good, or for bad. Mm-hmm. That's the world. It's my world. <clears throat> so, uh, sorry, the volition, intention, attention, and contact. I know I'll get them in sooner or later. <laughs> and to regard it means you have a sense of dispassion, step back, begin to review the experience, because we don't necessarily see it that way. You know, we actually think it's out there existing, you know, and other things don't exist. Um, and, but, or, we, or we think, you know, it's, it's, it's buried in us, but actually it's dependently arisen. Certain things strike the attention, grab your attention, we get drawn into it, and it makes strong contact, and then we get stuck in it, like a fly in a jam jar. You're buzzing away, trying to get out of it, trying to sort it out, but the more we do it, the more we seem to tangle ourselves up in it. 
you get what I call the tar baby effect. As you keep trying to not think about that thing, you stick and you try to not remember that and you stick and you try to get rid of it and you stick. <laughs> you try to calm down and you stick. <laughs> you get this, the more you come into contact with it, the more you, you won't get stuck on it. And the teaching is that you don't um, get to the end of suffering until you get to the end of the world. And this is the world you have to, to get across, really. But, um, you know, the beauty of it is actually that because this world is dependently originated, it's dependent upon particular um, karma formations in my own mind. It's not purely that, but that's, that's, that's the bit that can be worked on. You know, uh, then there's a way to the end of it. There's a way to release from it. And that means a particular kind of activity, skillful activity, uh, but specifically the activity of meditation whereby you, you review, you investigate, you inquire, you attend. And uh, you regard. Actually, this is where compassion arises. So to, to regard it rather than to blame it, uh, get freaked out by it, um, run away from it, but to just hold it there, this is compassion, holding the suffering of the world, regarding the suffering of the world, because this is what we can see, the stress of it, the unfulfilled quality of it, the um, repetitive nature of it, uh, the way we seem to be beset by it and feeling, oh goodness, I can get out of this stuff. Uh, you know, so to actually just be present with that, the, the throbbing, the pang of that, this is, takes compassion mm, rather than fury or despair or dumping it on somebody else <clears throat> or dumping on ourselves when we just give up ourselves and say well I'm just like this and what can you do mm. so that, that isn't regarding it that's, that's another kind of activity or the activity of, of despair so you know when you get the, the skills of, of mindfulness and uh, non-attachment is to just be able to regard it without even um, trying to find a solution right now. It's a very uh, special kind of regard to get the whole picture of it. <clears throat> because if when you begin to even just consider and reflect, which is a helpful thing, you, you see, well, when you look at the world in general, it is, there's a lot of conflict in it. Why, why don't people get on with each other? Why are people getting annoyed with each other, fed up with each other, disappointed with each other? No. Not all the time, but that's, that seems to be a particular repetitive theme in it, isn't it? 
Yeah. So we look at look at the human world. You look at uh, the external world, the animal world. There's creatures eating each other and and uh, not being fair to each other. <laughs> so we we look at the external world and you see um, you know lions eating antelope or, or uh, foxes eating rabbits. You think, well, that's nature. You know, it's interdependent. It's the it's the interdependent world of nature, web of life, interdependent web of life where you know creatures um, sustain each other. And so the food chain. You know. So that yeah looks all right from that particular point of view. You kind of looked at it objectively. Suddenly it seems just like that. But if you took it personally, like if you happen to be an antelope, for example, you probably think, why, why me? What, what have I done wrong? I didn't mean to do it. Why do I have to get eaten by lions? Why can't I eat something else? Why can't I eat cabbages? Why eat me? What have I done wrong? Why should I have to have fear and pain and be ripped apart? Yeah. Or if you're a lion, you might think, God, what about to be antelope? I mean, they're pesky creatures. Why do they run so fast? You know, I've got to, I can't just go to a, uh, a store or just eat a nice, peaceful thing like a tree which doesn't run away. I've got to, you know, work my guts out to try and get a decent meal. It's not fair. So when you look at it personally, you can see that it's not fair, is it? So objectively, it just looks like the whole wonderful interdependent life, web of life, the food chain and so forth, till, till we might conceive ourselves being in it. Would it be fair if I got eaten by a bear? Would I think, oh, well, this is wonderful, this is the interdependent, seamless, uh, connected web of life. Fine, you know, bear, you need meat, have me. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, it'd struggle and, and think it not fair. Yeah. So, you know, human beings by and large are wiping out most of the creatures on the planet rather than be part of the interdependent web of life that on other occasions we piously <laughs> advocate. <laughs> you know, you recognize that, that most other creatures bigger than human beings have been killed already, the carnivores are going, the, the habitat's destroyed because, because we take our world personally as things which are going to fit me be most convenient for me and uh, be comfortable for me and easy for me and if I had to destroy a piece of wilderness in order that I can get more oil that's what for my car that's what I'll do so I don't want to have to walk you know if a bit of wilderness has to go well that's never mind <laughs> and so you know this is the the personal view and the personal view is the thing that uh, um, is where we, we uh, we don't live in a sense of harmony, and where this is where we can see we create stress, conflict, greed, selfishness, delusion, um, and feel still feel dissatisfied. So even though you know I don't have to uh, be frightened of lions or bears, um, don't have to uh, root around in the ground for roots and grubs anymore. And get my food out of the refrigerator and have electricity and lighting still no, I think you know I don't really feel I'm getting a fair deal here you know I'm not really listened to 
I'm not respected. Um, I feel my life is is uh, not producing the kind of fruits that I'd like it to be. I'm still not satisfied. So this is what you know your personal view is like, because one hasn't actually stepped out of of the world. In, you know the the personally created world, the personal views about it. So one never really feels a sense of the bigger picture or, or being able to, to um, be contented with what's, with what's there. There's something we can do something about, because one can appreciate this, we, got the, we can understand this, and then you see, well, it means... Okay, that means perhaps letting go a bit of my, my bit. This is really kind of fundamental Buddha teaching, to let go of a bit of one's bit and see what it feels like. Not all of it, but just a bit. See what it feels like. If it feels better, feel larger, feel enhanced, um, then that encourages us, doesn't it? If we feel more compassionate, more contented, more peaceful, then that, that's... That's what we should go for. Uh, that's getting a sense of the benefits of when the world, one's world ends. It's not annihilation, but uh, an ending, an opening into something bigger and more beautiful and more attuned, you feel more comfortable. And then renunciation becomes possible. We can give up a bit because we see the benefits of it. And this is a, a, a bit of training, you know, renunciation, letting go of a bit is basic fundamental Buddhism, it's not a particular monastic obsession, um, but a fundamental across the board teaching to let go of a bit and, and uh, contemplate the results, contemplate it from a, a wider um, viewpoint now we always get a chance to do this because uh, living in a in a human context then there's always a certain amount of there's my world and there's your world and there's his world and there's her world and she sees it this way and I see it that way and this feels good to me but he doesn't get that at all uh, and so on so there's always these elements of the personal worlds coming up and other people's personal worlds coming up and there's a bit of a kind of a, a clashing sometimes or a bewildering or a shrugging off or a, you know, there's a not meeting and uh, something in us uh, wants to feel that fellow human beings are people we feel some understanding and harmony with and yet uh, this is um, always a, an edge, a practice for us why don't people understand me? Why don't I understand anybody? Why don't, why don't men understand women? Why don't women be more like men? What's wrong with everybody? <laughs> why can't people be normal like me? <laughs> so, so you can get that, that kind of thing of, yeah, you know shrug people off or, or, or feel alone or whatever. But that's, that's the edge, isn't it? 
And we say that that's because uh, of karma formations. Nobody really understands me because the perceptions and the attitudes and the particular configuration is unique. I'm unique. <laughs> but that's nothing special, really, because everybody's unique. Uh, so the, the, the things that I find funny or charming or confusing other people doesn't happen for them. There's always that kind of degree of it. And then you get things which are quite uh, distinct, like national, char- national characteristics, you get the kind of karma of being uh, in a particular culture where one grows up and one's moulded. Some things are socially acceptable, some things aren't. Some behaviours seem normal uh, and others don't. So, you know, you come from England, it's normal in England, normal people. Until you go somewhere else and they think, God, why are English people so weird? Why are they so repressed and damp and reticent? And, you know, you never really know where you are with them. They just kind of give you half sideways comments. They never say anything directly. Why are they so weird and cold? Sort of damp people. Then you go somewhere like Italy or Spain and say, why are they shouting, excited all the time. You know, why are people so excited and passionate here? What's wrong with them? Why are Americans so kind of brash and wanting to know you within five seconds of having met you? Goodness me. <laughs> why are they so demanding, intimate? <laughs> you <know. laughs> so you get these, these things which people just being normal, friendly, <laughs> careful, sensitive. And yet we can feel you know, uncomfortable, odd, or even direct offended by that. And because these, these are karma formations. These aren't even things we've determined to do. They're just, one has been in a particular karmic field and been moulded by it. And then there's the kind of, uh, there's the misunderstanding that occurs around that. So, you know, what really configures us then is, is these contact impressions and this is perception which is the felt meanings of things mentally felt meanings of things which means that's funny that's really funny somebody else goes that's bad taste that's, that's, that's perception it means we, we get a take on something um, that's really friendly another person says that's really gross you know. that, that's perception what we, how we take something how we interpret something. And it, it doesn't, it's not a conscious act, it's an immediate register. Yeah. So since, you know, when I was a little boy, always the idea was <coughs> important thing that when you meet people is you stick your mitt out and you, sh- you put your hand in somebody else's hand and grab hold it and shake it up and down. And this is supposed to be a good thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's called friendly. Shows you haven't got a weapon in your hand or something, but that's what you do, you know, like that. And then when you're a monk, you're not, you don't do that anymore, you do this. So, you know, somebody comes up and sticks their mitt out, and you go, or something like that, and they go, oh God, uh, well, what's happening? What's supposed to be doing? Uh, is he praying? Is he, have I offended him or what? You know, this, these bits of what's polite or friendly or gracious. That's perceptual. Now, of course, to me, normal 
you know, normal, normal life is getting up about between 3.30 and 4, doesn't everybody? Um, shaving my head, doesn't everybody? Um, wearing robes, normal robes, not special robes, just normal old robes. Uh, coming into a hall in silence and placing my head on the ground in front of a large Buddha image. Um, yeah, normal, ordinary person. Lining incense, sitting there for an hour or two in silence. Um, and uh, chanting in Pali languages like everybody does. <laughs> Shaven-headed women, you know, normal, ordinary people. Um, <laughs> you know, I feel totally, nothing, nothing really f- registers or flickers on that. And then somebody comes into the Dhamma Hall, they don't bow to him. What's, what's going on? He didn't bow. He's rebelling. He's averse. He's a Muslim. He's a terrorist. <laughs> yeah, so, so that these kind of senses of perhaps one doesn't interpret you get a kind of feeling of something wrong something's not right something's out here and you feel how how life you get you, you know you get these perceptual things that, that mean that certain things begin to really have strong impressions upon you and you can get quite wired up, wound up by it all. That's, that's the world. It's happening for all of us. Why somebody else is wound up about things that are totally ordinary to me is a mystery to me. Yeah. But when I get wound up about things that are outrageous, <laughs> I don't understand why nobody else sees it that way. That's the world. And then when they don't see it, I think they've been deliberate. He did that deliberately just to wind me up. Yeah. But the wind-up experience is just that you get a particular contact impression and as it sits there and you keep bashing away at it, it bashes but you get into overwhelm. Suddenly things are too much and then blow up. So, you know, get that, that, contemplate that when life is starting to get to you feeling cooked. I can't stand to see another person, I've had too much. And some, I can't stand to see another person. I've had somebody argue with me today, 15 phone calls, this broke down, that broke down. And then uh, somebody comes and says, excuse me, Ajahn, do you think I could? No, God, get off my back. <laughs> God, you know, why? Did I get an accurate perception of that person? Did I really see them? Did I really open to them? Or didn't I just have this overwhelmed perception which meant that any degree of contact was like throwing a match on, on, on gasoline? So then I kind of blast somebody or defend myself or be unpleasant to them. And think, oh, what's the matter with him? You know, perhaps I did something wrong. So when you get cooked... This is your, your contact stuff is getting higher and higher and higher to the point that you're liable to blow up um, because you, one hasn't actually um, brought the contact, calmed it, released it, uh, brought it to cessation, the cessation of contact, which doesn't mean you're in some kind of void, uh, spaced out state. It means that that sense of being pressed upon that sense of something digging into you 
that sense of something winding you up. You've got to that, you've regarded it, you've breathed into it, you've been compassionate towards it, and it starts to loosen and release. This is something we really need to cultivate, is a general piece of sanity. You know, just keeping, keeping the field clean, stopping oneself getting toxic. Because um, it's just, that's what it's like. You know. uh, calm is like that. Karma formations are occurring in the heart, and uh, you know you, you can only really be responsible right now for this. And just it's not anybody's fault. It's not even my fault, your fault, whatever. It's just now it's too hot. Now it's overloaded. Now's the time to just breathe out, clear some space. And sometimes we don't we don't do that. You know, when you, you get uh, wired up, the energy of that means it, we deflect it into more activity. So I'm feeling pretty revved up, so I rush around doing all kinds of things to try to displace the energy. But, um, you know, you can do that. And then feel even more overwhelmed by the amount of things one's doing. So I remember. One year we had a, a retreat here, and it was a three-month retreat. And the whole thing about this retreat is like, okay, everybody, let's just chill out, stop, you know, quiet down, don't do anything, relax, you know. And uh, well, well, we'll feed the boiler, you know, we'll feed the boiler. And so, so somebody got into this boiler feeding thing, and they got really into boilers and wood and stacking wood, and the way wood should be stacked, and the particular kinds of wood, and how dry it was going to be, and which wood should go in which place, and which place in the bunker, and then the kind of kindling wood you needed, so you got really, you know, attention. And it, so his mind actually was just completely absorbed into wood perceptions, and of course nobody else uh, was on this same planet, on, the, on that planet of firewood, we were in own little bits of the galaxy, and so people weren't really giving Wood the kind of attention that he felt was, was necessary. You know, so it began like, I'm the only person who really understands Wood. It's all up to me. And so then he spent you know, weeks of the retreat going round uh, bits of the grounds, picking up kinds of Wood and bark that he felt would be the best for this thing. And, um, you know, and then, he, then, he, then he said, oh, I'm just so busy here. You never get a moment's break. I'm just so, so it's supposed to retreat and it's so busy, I'm out of here. So, you know, that was the end of that. <laughs> you know, it's a, a wonderful example of how to, how to build your world, you know, how to get overwhelmed by it, how to wind yourself up. And all the time we're saying, well, you know, it doesn't really matter. We're meditating, precepts, meditation, mindfulness, and, you know, boiler wood is not that important. And yet, that's the way it goes. So that's perception, is it? The felt meaning of what's really necessary or important. And uh, behind that, you know, what all karma formations are about is, is I got my angle on it. My, it's my world. So it's the things that, that have come for me. And there's a certain 
um, sense of identity that goes along with it. And this is the kind of basic feature of all karma formations, good or bad, is that they generate a sense of self. They, they define, they accentuate sense of self. So sometimes when there's nothing really much to do, something the mind wants to get into something, get teeth into something, get on with something, so that, you know, why? Well, it really needs to be, no, why? No. Regard it. The, the itch, the kind of ne- neurological twitch to get going on something. Because the space and the nothingness feels a bit sort of uh, unsteady. I'm not able to really be me unless I'm talking, acting, um, got my fingers in this or that or the other. So quite why we get so busy is because this drive to be something. And it's something that we don't think like that. But it's an unconscious, subliminal push. And this is, um, you know, push of karma. And then we get wound up, overwhelmed, and uh, disappointed, because other people don't see it the same way. The intensity of it. I never actually wanted to murder anybody until I became a monk. And um, nobody ever said they wanted to murder me uh, until, they, till, till I was a monk. And the first person who said they wanted to murder me was uh, a monk, a Buddhist monk, with an axe, preferably. <laughs> And the first person I said I wanted to mur- felt I wanted to murder, didn't actually say it, was, was a monk. You know. I think, wow, why, why is that? You know? Because uh, so in, in a kind of renunciate life, this, this, uh, you haven't got so many things to, to, to do and be and identify with. You find yourself identifying with little bits, tiny little bits, obsessions, um, features of one's uh, wishes and inclinations. Uh, and also you start focusing on the on the tiny little things that other people do. So it's a very heightened degree of contact. Renunciation gives, it really heightens the contact impressions. So, um, why did he want to murder me? Well, because when we go out on arms round together, then I would walk at a certain pace, he walked behind, but I was walking too slow. But because, because of this kind of unison thing, which you live in in Sangha, you've got to work, be together, you can't just do your own thing, he had to walk at a pace that he found too slow. And he'd have to do this for like an hour and a half every day. You know? So after a few days of this, naturally, the obvious thing I want to do is to actually kill the person in front of you. <laughs> that seemed quite logical for a human being. Solution, you know, get this guy out of the way. I can walk a normal speed. You know. <laughs> and then I was walking, when I was walking, I had this guy behind me who had a habit of clearing his throat. Every, every few seconds you go... <laughs> 
then you walk along and you go <coughs> so you know when you're walking on arms round the idea is you're supposed to be keeping quiet the Buddha asks us to be quiet we'll make little noise monks and then develop mindfulness attention to the sensations of your walking So, you know, and this, I can't because this guy's and he knows that we're supposed to be quiet he knows about meditation and he's disturbing me that, that's grounds for murder, isn't it, really? <laughs> that's good enough, you know. I'd, that's reasonable to murder. Why not? <laughs> you know, I mean, you've got to lay down some standards here. <laughs> so you get these kind of little, little um, things, you know. Actually, we didn't, didn't murder him, he didn't murder me, which is great. Uh, because when, when you, you see these kind of things, good gracious, here I am, I used to be a really easygoing, placid, you know, slightly vague, fuzzy kind of guy uh, who didn't really mind anything, and here I am just about to want to kill somebody for clearing their throat. Think, wow, this is meditation, you know? <laughs> this is the pure life does this. Uh, and so it causes you to, to really take focus on what's going on and uh, you know, see, see you look at what's happening there's the, the sound the interpretation of that you know, so that's the perception the, the disagreement with that and then attributing agency he's doing that he's doing that and then he's doing it on purpose he's trying to wind me up with so and so see, this is that's karma. That's how you do it. That's how you build a world. Yeah. Yeah. And the feeling is, is uh, when you build a world, the feeling is um, that, that other people are frustrating you or getting in the way of it. Why can't they be on my planet? Hmm. It kind of intense sense like that. Happens all the time, doesn't it? Hmm. particularly when we try to do things in unison or together or organize something we lay down standards and this is the way that the kitchen is organized you know never seen uh, the the kind of used to have to have kitchen managers and pujas and sort of um, gestalt therapists involved in the kitchen (laughs) trying to chill out the vibes of what happens around dal and rice (laughs) You know, and somebody wants to say, I want to make a really nice, nice food for the, for the Sangha, devotional. I really want to give my heart to the Sangha, so I'm going to make this beautiful dish of cauliflowers and beans. And this. Look, we don't need this kind of female trip around here. Bash out the food. This is renunciation. <laughs> you know, you get, see, this clash, clash occurs. Uh, who's right? Everybody's right. <laughs> mm. This is why um, you know it happens. This is why um, virtuous summers want to murder each other, or you know, because you're getting a very uh, you get contact impressions pressed very deep, and things that didn't seem so much 
in ordinary life because your mind is much more diffused, suddenly strike with, with great clarity and seem to touch into enormous issues about how you feel about you know, what friendliness is or how you feel about having your own space, your own territory or being in charge or being listened to or uh, not being listened to or being um, empathised with or not being empathised with suddenly little things like somebody's a bit blunt, uh, gruff or, or sharp and then uh, sliced <coughs> Mm. So to regard it, and but the beautiful thing in it actually is that when one sees the, the starkness of some of this, one's caught, one feels more motivated to, to to take hold of this thing. You know what's going on. Then community life is actually, in human life, is actually a great um, agent for coming out of my world. Mm. They think, well, whatever, I just, I don't want to have these murderous instincts. I don't want to, you know, have these kind of feelings and emotions going on. So uh, I need to find out really where you're at, you know, rather than my perception of you being frustrating or irritating or stupid. I don't don't want to be like, I must have that. I'd sooner find out what's happening. So I'd sooner be in our world. It means giving up a bit of my act, of being this way or in charge or having things the way I want to. I'd sooner be in my world, our world, than my world. <laughs> Which means I might learn to listen. <laughs> Internally to the what's coming up and then what did she really say, actually? Did she, what did she really say? You know, what I felt was, here's another another person getting on my case, sticking their fingers in where they're not wanted, on some kind of power trip, trying to push me around, trying to lay a trip on me again. Another one of those. Wait a minute, what did she actually say? <laughs> you know, I'd like to um, prepare this for the sangha. That's what she said. Yeah, power trip. You tell. Devotional power trip, you know the kind, the worst kind. You know, that's, that's perception, isn't it? How we, we think we know where everybody else is at. You know. He comes on saying he, with his self-importance, thinks he's going to run the show. You know. And this monk was thinking, well, I'll, I'll try and be helpful. I'll try and offer something. Power trip. <laughs> Chucking his weight around as usual. Or somebody's going, well, um, I'm not certain. Look at him, trying to back out. We we, we have these ways of judging other people just on a few perceptual takes. Regarding it is just putting all that, maybe, maybe, just put it on hold for a while and let the, the... contact impressions subside, the perceptual triggers relax and to open up. You know, maybe he is on a power trip, but that's his problem. Uh, maybe there's a way I can say, Venerable, do you, why are you on a power trip? <laughs> uh, you know, or, or what do you really want? 
you know, one can explore it. But the first thing we need to do is to, is to get out of our world and try to make, out of my world, and try to make it our world. Yeah. And then, then this, this, you can find the ceasing of these perceptual inferences and judgments and the uh, rancor and uh, um, you know, self-views that arise. Cease. And our world is it's okay. Because you can see that quite a lot of the trying to get my act together is because I'd like to feel somewhere where I feel I belong, you know, I'm okay. And in my world, I can't be that way because I'm the only person in it. <laughs> it's only in our world that I could feel a sense of, of trust and belonging and relaxing and not having to be myself. I could just, you know, not having to be a person. That's where I could belong. Uh, uh, that's the, the possibility, the beauty of, of, uh, of practicing in, in community, practicing with the way that we see and affect each other, yeah. practicing with our inner determinations and perceptions. Regarding it, and regarding it with a mind of compassion, so when you're aware of somebody else seems to be getting a bit wound up and frazzled and what's the matter with her, what's the matter with him oh yeah I know that mm. Yeah, something very important is happening for that person no matter how silly it may seem or pointless or you know, something. I know when that happens it's very important because something powerful a bit of calm is coming up it's important that we get some listening space around that rather than well, shut up or you'll be alright or go away or what you need to do is let go um, <laughs> you know just just okay this is, this is important something important is happening here and let's listen with uh, compassion So actually, in that case, then we uh, we can be agents for the endings of our world without, not in a destructive way, or a putting it down, but uh, opening the space which allows it to to cease. Then we feel when the, my world ceases, I feel a sense of trust, welcome, and peacefulness. Mm.